for real. Oh, really? That's how you feel. And the guys be like, asking all them questions. Asking all them questions. Why you asking all them questions? Making statements. How's your day? Glad you're here. Tell your Lundquist with Ryan Eldridge, episode nine of the Misinterpreted <laughs> the Double Digit. Almost to the double digits. Um, I believe there's some statistic that only it's like only four percent of podcasts that start make it to episode like thirty five or something like that. Yeah. Well, we'll we tr- have to. We'll try and get there. For sure. We have to. Yeah. It, it's very easy to get discouraged in this entire process, but we're just doing it for ourselves. And mm-hmm. if anyone wants to listen to the wild takes that we want to say, then. By all means, we're we're glad to have you listen. I don't think they're the most wild. Well, they'll get wilder. They, they, no, they sure yeah. will. Especially when we go into basketball season, which I know nothing about. Speaking of which, I watched my first full, full being very loose interpretation of full NBA game this year. Oh, did you? Yep. Today, um, I watched Philadelphia play Nuggets. the Nuggets, and yeah. I watched the first half, and then I was like, this is stupid, uh, and I turned it off, and... Obviously missed that amazing comeback by Philadelphia. But I don't know if this is you or just me, but the NBA is just, it's its so boring now to watch, and I'm just completely disinterested. And people say, oh, they like high scoring. Like, please stop lying to yourself. <laughs> it's not fun to just see people shoot threes for three yeah. and a half quarter, and then maybe the last six minutes of the fourth quarter is interesting because it's a close game. I agree. Yeah. I, I actually think you're in the majority there. I think I think overall viewership of the NBA has gone. I don't know the actual number. We should probably look this up, but it has got to have been way. I, I, down. I bet you it's it's up, just just because of the really? outreach that it has. It's become more of wow. a global game. I I, just just in that. terms of an, of the numbers standpoint. Yeah. But I think back in the day, like the Derrick Rose days, um, you know when LeBron James was at the Heat. I don't know why, but for some reason it was. Just a lot more interesting, a lot more fun to watch on a day-to-day basis. I agree. I think, I just think there's, there's been such an analytical evolution towards the three-pointer and, you know, playing fast, getting quick shots. And, like, you're not getting the bad boys of Detroit anymore, like those styles team that, that literally play games in the 80s. Like, yeah. that was electric basketball. I, I think, like, one, I think one thing that could improve the NBA is changing the rules so that you can play more defense because... We see you talked about the bad boys of Detroit, the bad boy Pistons. The difference between that era and this era is that they were able to do so much more on the defensive side. You can't even play zone now in in the NBA. I with, think no, you technically can. It, you technically can. It's you can't you can't run like a two three zone with someone in the middle of the. But no the one has ever really been running zone ever in the NBA. Now, you don't know that. Were you alive in the fifties? Okay, come on. <laughs> no, I, I just kid. I, I think something. <laughs> I kid. I kid. <laughs> I think something needs to change in the rule book to make it so that you can be more physical on the defensive side. Because right now, you, like you said, it's just running down the court, shooting threes, getting more shots up. It's not that exciting from a viewer, my my perspective at least. Oh yeah. But in, I guess on the other side is I like soccer, too. Which, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm looking at very low-scoring games that I find exciting. So Fair enough. I yeah, might yeah, not be yeah. the right audience. I mean, you're a soccer, hockey, boxing guy, which yeah, is just low-scoring. Formula One. Everything. Well. Yeah, <laughs> everything. Low-scoring, drawn out. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But, I mean, once football season's over, we'll be diving into yeah. all of it, so that'll be exciting. Yeah. So speaking of boxing, Archer Better Be of fought today. He's the okay. second oldest champ. 
Wow. Uh, now it goes to 19 and 0 with 19 KOs. This guy How, is an Oh my god. Lobster. How old is he? Oh, he's 38 years old, but he had a decorated amateur career where he oh. was an Olympian twice. Um, over 300 amateur fights. Which wow. ha- that, oh that, my gosh. that happens in Eastern European countries. Like Lomachenko wasn't a pro until he was like 27, 28. Same thing with Oleksandr Usyk. He had a couple <sighs> Olympics. That's, that's the difference between like boxing and other parts of the world is in the United States, like young stars will forego even trying to go to the Olympics just because the timing doesn't work right for when they want to go pro at 19, 20, 21. And... It, that that's part of the reason why the U.S. hasn't had a gold medal in the Olympics in boxing since 2003, since Andre wow. Ward. Wow. Um, and you see these these countries like Cuba, um, you know, Kazakhstan, Ukraine, Uzbekistan. They're absolutely killing it, but they're also like a decade older than mm-hmm. some of the guys. And you know, the U.K., like the United States, and you know, th- doesn't doesn't mean anything needs to change. That's just a different culture. I think amateur boxers in in like the Soviet bloc that era gets paid too you get paid like fifty thousand dollars a year just to be a really good amateur boxer and some people will take that route instead of going pro where things are a little less complicated anyway boxing that that whole that that whole sport and all the politics that go on are, are, are insanely difficult to navigate i i definitely at, at some point on this pod not this episode but want to get into the promoter side of things because yeah. that's i mean yeah the marketer the the marketing and, and the promoting side is just it's up. it's it's a whole another aspect that even other combat sports like the UFC do not have yep so all right let's quickly run through uh last weekend's divisional round first game was uh the Jaguars and the Chiefs Jaguars had multiple opportunities to come back in this thing they were down 10 uh it, Agnew fumbles they force a quick punt, and then Jacksonville gets the ball back two plays. On the second play, Trevor Lawrence throws a pick. I mean, I mean you finally get back to down seven, and then you just kind of fall apart. Yeah, the, the main story of this game is Jacksonville with back-to-back turnovers on two straight possessions in the fourth quarter. And especially when you're down seven, you're looking for a comeback. That's obviously not the way to go. But I think for both these teams, it's... You know, you take positives out of that game. For the Chiefs, obviously, you're two wins away from your second Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes. But for Jacksonville, I mean, listen, you go from the worst record, and we talked about this last, last week. Window. Or two weekends ago, yeah. Window. Uh, you go from the worst team in the league last year, and then you're in the divisional round. You you go into this draft where you have some really good skill guys. I think they're you know, projected to maybe get like a Dalton Kincaid, maybe even a Jackson Smith and Jigba might fall to them at, I think they're around like 22, mm. 23 would mm. be their draft pick. Bright future ahead for Jacksonville now that Trevor Lawrence is starting to become the stud that everyone expected him mm-hmm. to be. Yeah, no, nothing more to say about this game. I well, think- I think it's very necessary to acknowledge that Travis Kelsey broke his own record with 14 catches, which is <laughs> the most tight end catches by a tight end in a postseason game. It's like, and he didn't even go for a hundred yards. Yeah, he, he he's insane, and, and and it's crazy to think that next year in the fantasy draft we might be getting a tight end going one hundred one as the first overall pick because he's just so much better than everyone else. I am also hearing rumors that people are saying that the tight end in the tight end slot in fantasy football is out of style. Just they're they're, they're going to change it to a linebacker. It was just some leagues. Some leagues are doing it. It's a rumor. It's a rumor. It's a rumor. People are saying it. 
Just so, so one time I did have a fantasy draft that I auto drafted. This is just I knew one guy in the league, so I wasn't really committed to this back in the day. Um, but sixteen team league, two quarterbacks, oh. two running backs, four wide receivers, two tight ends. A so you re- like using and, everyone, and, yep, and defensive players. Jeez, yeah. Um, it's and, like you're just like playing franchise mode on Madden yeah, there. And I auto-drafted that, so I didn't even get two starting QBs. <laughs> oh <my laughs> like, that's a tough part because obviously 16 teams, two quarterbacks. Got to have two. Yeah, because yeah, you, can, you can get away with having like a wide receiver three in you know, your wide right. receiver four spot or, right. or something like that. And then obviously the defensive players just absolutely, you know, rock everyone's world in terms of what they expect in fantasy but mm-hmm. fun league i traded all my good players for picks in the next year that was like, <laughs> that was the year that was the year after that was that peyton manning broncos team that lost okay. in the super bowl where yep. they yep. obliterated every offensive record i had like um demarius thomas emmanuel sanders peyton manning um the sander i don't know i forgot who their um running back is i had them as well uh, did not do well in year two and i lost in the championship once again for, I think I've been in my fantasy championship for five, six, seven times and haven't won a single one in any league. I've never been to. I, I've been. I went to my first championship ever in fantasy football this year, ever, and I've been playing for eight, eight, nine years. So why are we, why are we listening to your opinions on football then? Hey, hey, <laughs> I, you as the listeners, I don't know. <laughs> Apparently, we have five. So, <laughs> um, okay, so Chiefs. Uh, Chiefs knock off the the Jaguars twenty seven to twenty. Might as well just dive into their AFC opponent. The the Bengals beat the Bills twenty seven to ten. They looked good. Oh, they're good. Joe Burrow. Joe Joe Burrow. Burrow. No, that guy. Joe Burrow's a dog. Um, I I think they have a really balanced offense in terms of Joe Burrow had thirty six passing attempts. Mixon had twenty rushing attempts. Obviously, that's just a lot of plays on the offensive end of the ball. And able to get, I, I think they had like forty for like thirty something, forty first downs in that game. Mm. So consistently, you know, going down the fields, having long drives. And one of one of the stats that people often use to decide games is time of possession. Because the longer you're out on the field as an offense, the longer the opponent's defense obviously is out on the field, getting tired, and your defense has time to rest. I think this was a game where I think offensive time of possession being lower might have actually been better. Mm. And I think that the Bills' detriment was they had two two scoring drives of four, seven minutes forty one seconds. That was a, their first touchdown drive, and then they come out into the second second half. Sorry, get the deferred um, kickoff return, and then have a field goal drive of seven minutes eighteen seconds. And we saw that Josh Allen and that entire Bills offense was struggling in that cold. Um, and then we saw going into the fourth quarter where there's no chance, even though they were only down by a touchdown, there's no chance of them getting back because their drives are just so long that you look like from a mathematical perspective. Yeah. Yeah. To, to score twice, you're basically taking up the entire quarter, and that doesn't include any offensive possessions by the Bengals. So really poor time management by the Bengals, by Josh Allen. I don't think all of it's his fault. Obviously, it was a really bad environment for him to play in. But really surprised that he struggled in the snow where he has played many times. Yep. Obviously, Buffalo being his home, home stadium, and Joe Burrow felt right at home. It was, I mean, Joe, Josh Allen's been doing that his entire career, going to Wyoming, too. And then you go to Buffalo, it's like you got to be able to play in the snow. But with Joe Burrow's success in such cold weather, 
they go to Kansas City, and for that for that game, the, there's a high of 23. Yeah. Do Do you think Joe Burrow has the advantage here against the Chiefs? I think. You, you can use that as a stat, but I think you just like historically, Joe Burrow has absolutely lit up the Chiefs. They're calling, um, I think the Cincinnati mayor called Arrowhead um, Burrowhead. Oh, yeah, because absolutely. he just absolutely crushes that stadium. The, so, the mayor also um, told someone, but they, they want to collect um, Joe Burrow's DNA to confirm that he is Patrick Mahomes' father. Or or GOAT. Both, yes. Yeah. Yes, that checks yeah. out. Right? That 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 team is is so good. Like you look at their offensive weapons, they probably have one of the best, if not the best, wide receiver trio with Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, or is it Travis Boyd, Tyler Boyd, Tyler Boyd? I think it's Tyler Boyd, it and is. then T Higgins as well. Just yep. absolute monsters. Like T Higgins is a wide receiver one on half the teams in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I, you know, obviously Mixon. I think he's not as good as as the stats show but he's able to get the job done yeah he gets the job done and when you have that good of a passing offense you're going to find holes yeah right i i think the really interesting to think to look at is it's going to be a cold game so you would think this goes running game but i think this is actually going to be pretty high scoring so what's when did, did you check wind or is it just cold? wind is about 12 degree 12 12 miles per hour so it's not going to be a massive yeah, factor yeah, or anything, exactly. but it's just going to be cold. I, I think when you have like, I'll, I'll let you finish. But okay, so the Chiefs have only held three teams below seventeen points all season long. That was the Raiders, terrible offense outside of Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs. That's it. The Rams, terrible offense, and the Seahawks, who were, I mean, okay, but sure, you do that, great. You then look at the Bengals' offense. The Bengals' offense has scored 20-plus points, more than 17, 20-plus points in all but three games, and wow. that, that accounted for three of their four losses. If you even want to drop down to 17, so 17 is the number that the Chiefs can't hold teams below. The Bengals only were held under 17 one time. And that was when they didn't have Jamar Chase. This Bengals offense is going to come to play. So, so you a few podcasts ago said the Chiefs were going to make the Super Bowl. Yep. I obviously had the Bengals winning it all. Mm-hmm. Are you still confident with your pick, given what you just said? I'm not confident, although I am sticking to my guns. Yeah. Uh, th- this is the closest thing to a coin toss that we're going to have. I agree. It's I going agree. to be a great yeah. game, uh, and I think that I will be personally taking the Bengals spread just because. Even at one and a half, I think it's going to be such a close game that even if the Chiefs win, it's probably going to be a one-two point game, and I'll mm. take my chances with that. Interesting. I think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to take uh, Joe Burrow anytime touchdown. Sneak one in. Sneak one in. You think so? Yeah, I think. I mean, he was. He was. They were. They were millimeters away in in the last game against the Bills when they were at like literally the quarter yard line and they tried to run it three times and they didn't sneak oh, yeah. it. Yep. So I think yeah. if they get down to that they just sneak it and and I think yeah, he's, change, he's change got great value at any time yep. touchdown. Uh let's go to the other side and and wrinkle back to the divisional round. Eagles win uh over the New York Giants in big fashion, 38 to 7. I mean, they got out and whooped their behinds. 
Yeah, this is such a complete team in the Philadelphia Eagles. This game, so they're they're starting running back the, their entire the, the entire year was Miles Sanders, who had a pretty good year, you know, in his own right, albeit with one of the best passing offenses in the NFL. This week, Kenneth Gainwell, the backup, rushed for twelve times, one hundred and twelve yards. So that's <laughs> you're just adding more weapons to an already loaded team, and we we know that Hurts can has so many targets he's he can spread it out to. You have Devontae Smith, AJ Brown, Dallas Goddard, 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 Goddard. Yep. Could never get that right. <laughs> it's just it's just ridiculous how many how many you know weapons he has, and it'll be interesting to see you know what he does tomorrow in the championship game it it sure will and don't know if you had anything to say about the philadelphia giants game but i wanted to segue into immediately into the nfc championship oh sure i mean we don't even have to talk about the you don't, you don't want to talk about the cowboys 49ers i, oh, like I was just gonna to. say oh sure yeah Be, before going into the championship yes yes yeah. yes we will we will come back to the very small business podcast we still are getting our stuff <laughs> together <laughs> um 49ers Cowboys. What an ugly game. 19 to 12 felt like a scoregami all the way through. Um and just like no no one was really doing anything. Yeah. And then Brett Maher actually makes field goals. What do you know? know? <laughs> Who would have thought? I, I will say it was expected though. I knew this was going to be a battle the defensive lines. Mm-hmm. Both defensive lines getting pressure all you know all day long. Mm-hmm. Tyron Smith getting up. He he had in his own right a really good game against Nick Bosa, but there were times when obviously Nick Bosa got the better of him. Uh, you know, defensive lines both were solid, and I think that Purdy was able to protect the ball better than Dak Prescott throughout the entire you know length of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you, you know, I, I have a lot to say about this game, but we I'll we, we to have first. to we have to come back to the Cowboys. I just wanted to touch on the fact that the Forty ers just find ways to get the job done. Yeah, and a big reason of that is because the Cowboys stink so much, which. Again, we will come back to. Yep. But, I mean, Brock Purdy, again, doesn't make mistakes. The defense shows up. They force field goals. They don't. Uh, they allowed one touchdown uh, and then missed the two-point conversion, I believe. And, I mean, the, the defense just straight up doesn't get scored on. And neither do the Eagles' defense. I mean, these were the number one and number two total defense. San Fran allowed... 300.6 yards per game. Philadelphia second in total defense with 301.5 yards per game. Oof. So, in a new segment sponsored by Lucy Lundquist Design, interior design specialist, who wins Bolt the time. interior battle between San Fran and Philadelphia? Yeah, well, we know that um, Philadelphia has one of the best offensive line, if not the best offensive line in the entire league. Great this- singers, too. Really? Do you know they came out with a Christmas album? I did not know that. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah. John, uh, Jordan Mailata has a beautiful singing voice. I imagine it wouldn't arrive uh, my boo Kelly Clarkson. No, of but, course. Of course, uh, of course not. <laughs> um, th- this is a scenario where we're talking about immovable object meets unstoppable force, that O-line versus the San Francisco 49ers defense, defensive line. I, I think the with the- with the weapons that Jalen Hurts has and how – well, he has been able to develop over the years that he he's going to get the better over this defense. You know, Seattle put up 23 against the 49ers defense, and I think that might be enough against Brock Purdy and, and that offense. Let's say, you know, Dallas did hold Christian McCaffrey and Debo mm-hmm. Samuel in check, and I think that the Eagles, not as good of a defense, but they're able to stop the, stop the pass quite well. So if, it, this game will be down to Christian McCaffrey on 
the San Francisco offensive end. If he's able to consistently rush the ball, create long drives, I think they have a chance to win this. Otherwise, I think, you know, I think, Hurt, you know, Hurts lost one game this entire year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, they they lost a couple with Minshew, but Hurts this entire year has lit it up. I I see no reason why he shouldn't you know continue that continue that um that trend moving forward. Okay, so. A couple episodes ago, I said my teams were the Chiefs and the 49ers in the Super Bowl, yeah. right? I, I'm standing by my pick. However, Brock Purdy's now 8-0 as a starting quarterback, right? Yeah. He has played in one legit road game. He's hosted both in, in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And then in the last 11 weeks of the regular season, the 49ers had... Three road games. One of them, or, or pardon me, the last uh, the last eleven games, including the postseason, they've had three road games. One of them against the Rams in L.A. Forty ers fans overran that crowd. Another one, Vegas. That was when once Purdy had become the starting quarterback. Vegas also overrun by San Fran fans. The only real legit road game he played was Seattle. And that was when they allowed a, a massive second quarter comeback. Yeah. Yeah. And, I don't know, really interesting just to see. I mean, the Eagles are so good at home. At home in the first half, they are, are averaging just over 19 points per game. Yeah, they're, I mean, their second quarter is, is insane. So, I, at, at that point, if you put Brock Purdy in a heinous road environment in Philadelphia, which the, you know they always have, and he's down at the half... How does a rookie quarterback like Brock Purdy respond to that? I don't know. Yep. So I think if I'm putting money on the line, I, I have Eagles. But I got to stand by my by my Your pick position. earlier yep. with 49ers. What I will say about Purdy is that in his last five games, he has put up 37. Or the offense, let me say, has put up 37, 37, 38, 41, then 19 against probably the best defense he played. It he He's... You talk about him being a rookie quarterback, and yes, this is new territory for him, a really tough road environment against a really passionate Eagles fan base. Mm -hmm. I would just be a little doubtful as to whether that pressure would get to him because he was put into a situation halfway through the season where he had to become the starter, rose up to the occasion. There were doubts about him going into playoffs if that occasion would, you know, would be the final straw that was not so it, it, you can you can have all these stats that go against the, this rookie quarterback you can go historically to see how rookie quarterbacks have fared in this scenario which probably is not that much of a sample yep. size yep um but yeah i guess it, playing just playing devil's advocate it's it's he he has been successful at this entire season at any scenario that you have given him regardless of how good that scenario has been obviously is one of the best he has the best running back, one of the best wide receivers, one of the best tight the ends. The best defense. The best defense. He's well, set up yeah. for success. Yeah. yeah, It's unbelievable. But he's very smart about checking it down to you know Chris McCaffrey which he, when he can. Something that Dak Prescott, his opponent in that divisional run game, does not do. Okay, let's talk Cowboys. Yeah. Right? It, it wouldn't be a football podcast if you don't talk about the Cowboys. How yes. about them boys? How about them boys? They stink. They quite frankly stink. Okay, you win one playoff game. Dak Prescott has now uh, won as many playoff games as Tony Romo did in his entire career. And Brock Purdy has already 
equaled that number. Yeah. Two. <laughs> two. Just two. Real, is it really two? Yes. Wow. Dak Prescott and Tony Romo have both only won two games wow. each in the wow. postseason. And Brock Purdy's done that in his rookie year. That's incredible. I mean, 49ers put together an unbelievable team. The Cowboys on paper have just as good a team. I think the Cowboys top to bottom, if you take out quarterback, is maybe a top five team. You look at their so, defensive is elite. They they have offensive weapons around them that aren't as good as the 49ers, aren't as good as some teams. But you're talking about C.D. Lamb, um, Dallas Schultz. You're talking about um, Michael Gallup. And then they have Tony Pollard. And mm-hmm. Ezekiel Elliott is their backup running back. So that yeah. says a lot about their weapons. Not the best in the NFL, but certainly one of, one of the best. or Top five, top ten, easily. Easy. Right. I, and, and I just don't, I mean, give me the answer as to why it hasn't worked. You know, l- l- listen, uh, I wrote a lot of things about Dak Prescott. $40 million a year for four years is his contract. That's insane for an above-average QB. Yes. He uh, had, above average? Uh, he's right at average. I'll, g- I'll give him above average. I looked at the okay. tape. He had 15 interceptions this season. Not all of them are his fault. But I think he has two weaknesses in his film, which is that he's, not very good at anticipating routes, and hmm. when he has when he has to throw it into tight windows, he locks eyes on the receiver that he wants to throw throw it to, and then when he shuffle steps, he doesn't have the arm strength. He, he has above average arm strength, but it's not the likes of Josh Allen when he can't throw it into tight windows before defensive backs can get to them. So we saw the Gallup interception. That was the or the the first interception was he was trying to throw it to Gallup on a hook route and he was slightly late to that in the 49ers game that was his first interception that happened that 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 play happened the same way against the Colts with Stephon Gilmore so that was Michael Gallup coming in on a button route and then him being late on it so Gallup in the 49ers game had had separation but Dak Prescott was not able to anticipate Mm -hmm. that and then he threw late and one thing you do not want to do on curl routes is throw late did the same thing against yeah. uh, against the Colts with Stephon Gilmore. Um, with the same exact button hook play, the curl play to Michael Gallup. It, I mean, it's in it's in any sport. Like yeah. once you see them open, it's too late. Exactly. You can't you can't look at your guy, say, "Oh my gosh, he's open," then throw it and expect it to still be open. Yeah. In and, any sport. Yeah. And then and then there were some plays where he just does not see the safety coming yep. in to help on that double team. Once again, as a quarterback, always have to see the safety. So. He's a fine quarterback, but $40 million a year for above-average play is not good enough. Yes, he had 15 interceptions. He had some tip balls here and there, but he has averaged over 10-plus interceptions most of his career. Um, And then you look at the rest of their team. You have Parsons, Trayvon Diggs, C.D. Lamb, Tony Pollard are all on their rookie contracts. They're going to be out of there looking for more money in one to two years. If I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm really concerned right now. I I would be too, and it's crazy because like we talked about their team top to bottom outside of quarterback being the. I've watched football since 2010, so that's 12 years. This is the best Cowboys team that I've that I've seen. I if agree. You, if, I know if, absolutely. If you put Tony Romo on this team, I I think they're like evens to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, one hundred. That, that's saying something because Tony Romo really was not that good. He never won. Like yeah. when it mattered, he never won. And, I mean, you could say the same thing about Dak Prescott, but that's why, seeing the comparison of those two, I don't think it's an issue with the quarterback. 
I don't. I I truly believe it has to come down to Jerry Jones. Like, well, I mean, they, yeah, he's they, a common denominator for the past whatever twenty five, thirty years. Yeah, right? I mean, how can you continue? I mean, you can't really say no to the guy either. He's just this like straight up owner GM. He, he wants to be the damn coach, and for some reason, he is still running this thing like the oligarch that he wants to be. Yeah, we see some of the best franchises in all of sports where you have owners that are willing to put money in but are able to delegate really well to a good GM, yes. good head coach, a good staff. And Look everything. at John Lynch in San Fran. Look at Wrexham with... Uh, Wrexham Football Club. Yeah, absolutely. Ryan Reynolds and... Rob McElhinney. And they know nothing about soccer, but they're able to delegate responsibilities to the right people and are just able to you know, stay out of it for the most part, especially in things regarding soccer. Yeah. I, I just... I'm it. To me, it has to come down to Jerry Jones. Like I feel like I Dak Prescott at times can play good football. Of course, he throws for a ton of yards. He makes some bad mistakes. I just don't think Jerry Jones is an inspiring guy to play for, and he's yeah. not even the coach. Yeah, yeah. I there's something wrong in that organization, and it obviously starts with him. Yeah, uh, well, he's he's the top, so you yes. you got to look there first. So. At home, after that game, I was thinking of what do you do with Dak Prescott, right? And some ideas popped into my head where I don't know if this trade could ever happen. But let's say, for instance, you trade Dak Prescott to the Colts, get number four, and then you get C.J. Stroud, who we know is one of the best quarterbacks in college football at, you know, being careful with the football. Yep. Do you, well, I'll just throw a question out. Do you like the idea of getting Dak Prescott and bringing a new blood in that position? I do. I do. I think uh, if if you are going to make the change, you're stacked everywhere else other than the quarterback spot. I think if you are going to make a change on the field, it has to come at that, at that position. And Dak Prescott has proven that he can't obviously win in the postseason. He got one win against a bad Buccaneers team. But I think you put anyone else in that situation and they go win more games. I just do. Yeah. I just do. Yeah. Even if it's a rookie. Even if it's a rookie. The thing with Dak is, yes, he does have a crazy contract, but you do have plenty of teams, especially in that top 10 pick zone, that would absolutely love to take him. And the Colts, obviously, because they have this whole rent-a-QB situation (laughs) for the past three to four years. And I think even if you go down, you get like a Will Levis, you trade him to the Raiders, you get Will Levis. I have a lot of issues about Will Levis, but the thing with Will Levis is that, or any rookie QB, is if you put him into a situation that you do with the Dallas, they will have a much better chance of success instead of going to Houston. Kind of yeah, like a Houston, like a, just a fucking trash bin of, of football. <laughs> the dumpster fire. Absolutely. Yeah. dumpster fire. Yeah. yeah, I don't have any hope for the Cowboys if they stick with Dak. It's a tough situation for them because they should be in a win-now mentality once all their star players get off their rookie contracts. They're Not all of them are going to stay there. Um, yeah, I don't know if you risk it with someone like a Stroud or a Levis, but you know, I, I think at this point, if, you, if you're truly committed to winning a Super Bowl, which I don't know if Jerry Jones wants that. Mike uh, McC- I would <laughs> hope so. Uh, I- Unless he's unless he's holding the fan base hostage, be like, oh no, we're almost there. Don't worry about it. <laughs> that, that's oh, it you got to like. be quicker than that. That's, that's what it seems like. That's what it seems <laughs> yeah, like from yeah. the outside looking in. I think you know you can make a case that you take that big time risk with a young, you know, 
young QB and, and see where it goes in the next two years before you eventually have to restructure everything. I don't know. Running a running a football team is hard, and I you know I don't know if that's the right thing to do. But that being said, Jerry Jones is also not doing it the right way. Damn right. Yeah. Damn right. Yeah. All right, uh, that'll do it on this episode of Misinterpreted. Uh, Ryan, I'm really liking this new setup. Yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. King in the castle, king in the castle. <laughs> I have a chair, I have a chair. We were supposed to get the um, our first dollar as well. From we were. Lundquist design. We were. Um, shout out her again. It'll come, it'll come. We got to stop shouting her out if she's not paying us more. Yeah, I I think she's she's in for like 15 cents an episode at this point. Yeah, we, we got we to boost yeah, those numbers. Exactly, those are rookie numbers. Exactly, yeah. All right. Well, as always, we appreciate you tuning in. That's Ryan. I'm Tellier. See you next time. For real. Oh, really? That's how you feel. And the guys are like, asking all them questions. Asking all them questions. Why are you asking all them questions? Making statements.